0: Leeds, Leeds, Leeds! What is happening? Welcome to Working Hours, a show about a place called Leeds, a time called Now, and an activity called Work. Working Hours wants to record 1,000 loiners over the course of this, the most important decade in the history of the human species, and ask them what they do all day and hear how they feel about it. My name is Simon, and this is All My Fault.
1: What did you want to be when you grew up? Um, there were a couple of things really. I started off uh, wanting to be a vet because I um uh, I really like animals and uh, you know I, li- I live with quite a few animals now. so a vet was the first thing but uh funnily enough I, I didn't really like the sort of you know school environment I, I didn't enjoy high school, didn't enjoy college um and need a lot of qualifications. there's a lot of study involved in being a, a vet it's yeah, like yeah. Seven, you know it's, it's a lot of years of study. Uh, so I put that to one side. Then I wanted to be an actor, mm. <laughs> which uh, hasn't hasn't worked out. How um, did you stay on that? Then did you? Oh, did that you would perform. No, no, I did. I, I, I to be honest, one of the uh, subjects I did enjoy uh, at high school was drama, mm. but I didn't stick with it. I, I missed a lot of uh, school time around like um, GCSE time, so I just did like the core subjects. Mm. So that uh, that dream was uh, was derailed. But yeah, it, it was a vet first, then it moved to an actor. So that's what I want it to be. Yeah. You're listening to Series 3, Episode
0: 11, and to my guest, Elliot Benson. This is another Zoom interview recorded on the 4th of May, 2022. Good evening, colleagues. Elliot Benson is a mortgage broker and owns a small business based in Headingley called Set Mortgages, which he has been running since September last year. Before starting Set Mortgages, Elliot had worked in a large corporate estate agent as a broker for four years, and prior to that, worked as an estate agent. While working as an estate agent, Elliot was shortlisted for the 2020 British Mortgage Awards the Oscars of the mortgage world. In the rising star category, I'm finished in the final three. Set mortgages works predominantly with first-time buyers, helping them onto the property ladder and through the whole buying process. And Elliot has experience in all types of mortgage. To find out more about Set mortgages, go to setmortgages.co.uk like, share, follow and subscribe to this podcast. I'm doing all I can to bring this to you. So if you do like anything about it, please follow and promote the show on and off social, wherever you can, whenever you remember. Please give money to this show and please give me any feedback, questions or comments that you may have. Email workinghourspod at western-studios.com or use one of my social channels to get in touch. The address for each of those channels will be at the end of the show. Now, please enjoy this totally free and totally ad-free, as far as I know, episode of Working Hours with Elliot Benson from Set Mortgages. So what is it that you do now then?
1: I'm a mortgage broker
0: okay it's <laughs> <Just> slightly different <laughs> yeah
1: i know yeah what a to change um all mortgage advisor i could be called either way so uh how did you get into that and yeah yeah how did you get into it yeah it's uh it's quite a, a long story actually i got into mortgage advice via estate agency because mm-hmm. i was an estate agent for about four years and i actually got into that through my second ever full time job, which was at Costa Coffee as a barista. Mm. And I served an estate agent one day. And I knew he was an estate agent. So you know, that they've got the reputation of being, you know, all salesy and that kind of thing. So uh, he, he wanted a praline latte. So I started describing it in a, a really extravagant fashion. <laughs> um like, oh, it's a, it's a beautiful latte, it'll transport you to, you know, a, a log cabin on a winter's day, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> um, and he invited me for an interview. Yeah, uh, to be an estate agent, um, and I didn't uh, get—I got offered a job not at the because there was a branch next to the Costa where I worked, but I got offered a job at the um, a different branch within the same sort of locale in Horseth actually. Hmm. Um, and that's how I got into estate agency. So I spent about four years doing that. And it, pretty much every estate agent that you speak to will have an in-house mortgage advisor. Yeah. Um, and it was something that I was quite interested in uh, because I enjoy dealing with people, and it's a very people-centric business um it's all relationship building and that kind of thing and um they put me through the exams to do that Mm. Uh, so i studied while i was still working as as an estate agent and then um qualified and started advising out of the company that i used to work for basically cool and then now you're in business for yourself that's right yeah so i set up uh, independently as an advisor last september which is uh, you know completely different to what I was used to before. I mean the you know the general sort of advice and things like that is the same. It's just the the way sort of work life is balanced is a lot different now. Yeah, yeah. now you're purely responsible. I mean, are you at the point yeah. where you have staff, or is it just you on your own? No, I am. Um, I have thought about taking on because the kind of role that I do as an advisor is th- there's a lot of administration involved and mm-hmm. um, a lot of admin. Um, a lot of sort of chasing various uh, sort of parts of the buying process. And I did think about taking on um, an administrator just to help me with, you know, maybe part time to help me with that side of it. But with the <clears throat> sort of volume that I'm dealing with at the moment, it's um, I can still keep on top of it myself Um, and I quite like being involved in. I, I like knowing where all my cases are and you know, what my clients are doing and things like that. So at the moment, it's just myself. Yeah, mm. cool. So how's it been going? Is it going well or is uh, it really well? There? Yeah, yeah. It, it's, <laughs> um, it's, it's very, I mean, you know, like I started in September and everyone tells you that, you know, starting a business, the first six months are really difficult and that kind of thing. And it is really hard because, uh, you know, it's, it, you do everything is yourself. You know, you do everything yourself, you, you know, it's not just mortgage advice that you do but you're uh um uh marketing your own marketing department and you know your own um sort of voice in in the industry in effect because you're not part of you know that a large firm it's it's just you um and and you are your own brand etc so it's difficult um but business wise it's been really really good actually since since starting um a lot busier than i thought it would be which is nice and it is a busy sort of time for the property market in general at the moment, there are a lot, a lot of people are looking to buy. Uh, mm. So it's been quite good business wise, but I, you know, starting a business and going from, you know, a secure environment to something else is, is quite stressful. So on the one hand, stressful with, uh, you know, being completely out of sort of a, a employment in effect, yeah. but on the other hand, business wise, it's been, it's been good. Yeah. Yeah so you
0: you're managing to pay yourself you're managing to like have you broke even i mean i would imagine the yeah. setup costs
1: are pretty low for, for for that kind of thing yeah that's right um it was probably um the uh, sort of way it works is you because you uh, you don't really draw um a, as an advisor i don't get paid unless the client completes and moves in mm-hmm. so there's a delay between seeing a client for an appointment and then receiving any income, you know, it has to go through to completion. So I'm invested in trying to make sure that the client does move in, everything runs smoothly, but again, there's, there's like a, sometimes a a three, four, five month delay between that and getting, getting income. But because I was, I was quite lucky in that I was able to, you know, um, draw clients from when I set up, it allowed me to draw an income faster. There's always a period where you don't make anything, but you know, from the start of the year, I was starting to draw an income from it. And it was enough to, you know, sort of um, break even, etc. So yeah, it's it's drawing money now, which is good. So what was what was the kind of, what was the sort of spark that drove you to set up for yourself? Um, it was really, it was really strange, actually, like, I, I had no, um, I hadn't thought about it um, to any sort of great extent until the last year that I was working for a corporate. And the workload that I was dealing with was immense. It was I I was doing a a lot of I was doing sometimes like 14 plus hour days in the office Mm. and I was working every single day Uh, I had no sort of work life balance. Mm. And it seemed like there was no sort of way out of that. In fact, because there's that feeling of like once you've sort of worked to that level, it sort of becomes people expect you to do that all the time. Yeah. And I remember sort of waking up and thinking, this isn't like sustainable. I, c- I can't work every single day of my life, like yeah. without a break and, you know, 14 hours for, forever. Mm. Um, so I, it was really sort of spread the moment. I, I woke up one morning, I just thought the only way to sort of stop this pattern is to just take myself out of it. Yeah. So um, I actually left um, the place I used to work in June last year. Mm-hmm. Um, or it was the end of June, I believe. And I went to go work in a bar for a little bit. Because um, I was just, I just wanted to sort of take myself out of it, yeah. And just went um, out and yeah. Well, that would that was it basically, yeah. I think mean, that was it, and it was just um, it, as lo- I, I just thought, as long as I'm still there, there'll always be that expectation of mm. you know that I'll need to perform at that level, and it's just not not sustainable having like no no life out. Yeah, no <laughs> so, life, it, no it, sleep, no I, way out. That's <laughs> it. Yeah, yeah. I was just existing on energy drinks. <laughs> yeah. Um. So yeah, so I let and then I still had um like I get, um, I just get random texts all the time from, you know, numbers that I don't know, like, oh, um, are you doing mortgages, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. And I was turning people in saying, no, I'm sorry, I'm not, you know, I don't do that anymore. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, why don't I just, you know, do it for myself? Because yeah. um, friends and family were, were contacting me and, you know, they were in, they were asking if I was still doing it. And I thought, well, I can still advise, you know, I, I was good at what I was doing, mm-hmm. why don't I just do it for myself. And then I'm in control of, you know, what I want to do, there's no pressure to have to, you know, spend my whole, you know, all the time doing yeah. that and not having any, I've, I've got a lot more control over it. And um, so yeah. that's what yeah. sort of made me do it really.
0: Was the sort of the, the why of, you, you know, why, why the hell am I doing this? And it's like, well, yeah. if, if it's me being, you know, using my own expertise, we yeah. I've gained from being in this industry for X amount of years, then that's much better for me because mm. like I actually feel value from it. I'm putting stuff that I've learned into use that people can benefit yeah. from and I can get paid bonus. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I want to go into the juice of it then. So yeah. what, what the hell does a mortgage
1: broker do? <laughs> so essentially, um, it, I, I think of myself as a basically like a, a personal assistant for for anything to do with someone's buying process so it, it the core of it is that if someone is looking to buy a house, mm. I'll have a chat with them, I'll tell them exactly what they can afford, what the payments will look like, who the right lender is for them, who the you know the cheapest deal is for them so if you if you were looking to buy you had an offer accepted, you come and see me I'll tell you which bank out of all of them is the cheapest one and which one will lend to you. And then I just do everything for you, so your involvement really is little to to none at all with the bank. You just come see me and I just do everything for you. you don't worry about it mm-hmm. um you you probably if you you know you there would be no evidence that a mortgage to the client there'd be no evidence that a mortgage application was ongoing apart from me asking them for documents really and yeah. and that's it yeah. um except the way that I tend to work is' because I predominantly deal with um first time buyers. That's the sort of um, kind of clients that I enjoy dealing with because I was an estate agent, it's it's easy for me to guide people through the buying process because I've dealt with it all before. Mm. And when you're buying your first house, it's scary and you don't know what's happening. And I I think of myself as just, you know, someone to hold their hand through the process. So if they need help with, you know, um, finding a property, offering on a property, I can have a look at the house for them and sort of say to them, well, Look, it's it's on for this kind of price. Maybe you should offer this amount. and um, this sounds like a good idea. This is how you offer. This is how you put an offer forward. Um, and then from that point, if they need anything through the process, like if you know the estate agent is asking them for documents, and they don't know what it means, or the you know the this terminology that this list is using that they don't quite understand. I'm just on hand to help them with that. So the mortgage process really is probably only a small part of it for me, because uh, the you know you can. I could package a case, which is, you know, where you send the application off to the lender. I can do that fairly quickly, but it's about being there for the client through the process. So that, that, that's essentially the, the the core of it. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, like,
0: you know, I mean, you almost suggested there that you could kind of like, just have a, like an app or a web page and just be like, I want this, find this. Yeah. But, you know, it's like you say, it's like, well, you, you, you're providing that service of, being there for the
1: client and that's it yeah Yeah. I think that's important because like I said it's it's a very that you know it's a very sort of personal it's a it's a person business like Mm. you you develop relationships with clients that you know you you want them to last but like if I Mm. for example if I take on a new client now yes I want to do the mortgage for them this time but I'd want to work with that client you know when they come back in Mm. a few years time and they want to move again they want to remortgage like you know you, you get to know each other and it's nice um, having that kind of, you know, relationship with with sort of clients that you deal with in your day to day sort of working life. It's just mm. it's nice. So, how do they
0: how do they sort of come in? How do you kind of what, what's your kind of customer funnel? Are you getting them from estate agents or do they come in to you directly? Like,
1: yeah, where do people come from? All so that, I've got yeah. So yeah. Well, I, I mainly um, I deal predominantly with just the leads area because I know the leads market and I know you know, the areas and things like that. Um, it's a lot more, I'm more helpful to a client who is buying in leads. Hmm. Um, I can still help clients who want to buy in other areas. It's just, I know the leads market better. Hmm. Um, predominantly, uh, the way that I would get to a client is, well, first of all, um, the website, I think the I spent a lot of time with the website just because, uh, you know, everything people do now is, um, Mm-hmm. Is, you know, it, it's, it's Online. It, you look, yeah, if you're looking for uh, advice, you're just going to Google um, Lee's Mortgage Brokers. So the website's really important. Mm-hmm. Um, social media as well is is what I focus on a lot because um, the the kind of clients that, that I like working with, that, that I deal with a lot, are, are going to be on Instagram, Facebook, things like that. Mm-hmm. So I do a lot of um, videos where I just sort of um, go through tips on, buying um you know the mortgage process um things like that i do q and a's just just to help people who are thinking about buying but also to raise sort of brand awareness as well and um, mm. because i think social media is really important a- an important tool when you are starting a business because it's mm. it's a good way of getting the word out because um google and the website yes i do they on the website itself, you can book straight into my diary. So if you go on there, you can find out about me. You can book straight in the diary, Mm. but, um, I think because it's such a person to person business, I think the social media is, is more important simply because when you're dealing with something like a, you know, a mortgage, it's one of the biggest financial decisions you're going to make, you want to trust the person and you want to know that the person knows what they're talking about. And that's what I try and put across in the video. So I get a lot through social media and I get a lot through the website. Mm-hmm. Um I get th- the bulk of the um, referrals that I get a word of mouth. Mm-hmm. So um, I'll just get a random text like, oh, you did a mortgage for my friend. Um, are you're able to help me. Or I'll get a text out of the blue or a call out of the blue, just saying I found a house and can you help me with it? So that kind of thing, really. I put a lot of effort into the website and the social media side of things simply because I think um, it's good for the client to sort of know you a little bit before mm. they book in because then you know they they know that with something like a mortgage they know that you know what you're talking about and you're not you know some like cowboy but you know yeah yeah, know yeah 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 so the the social proof aspect of being online yeah yeah it's it's just um you know just i think it's important for people to know when they do de- when you're dealing with finances that they can trust you and you know you know what what you're talking about in in that sort of sense um do you because, have to be regulated do you like you you have to, yeah so you um you have to be uh authorized by the fca so mm. you do a what's called a fitness and propriety um it's like a checklist every year and um, just to make sure you you know you're not um under investigation for anything or you've got no sort of criminal record and that you you know you, your own sort of credit and finances are, are in order and things like that. Um, so you do that every year. Um, and no, it's just, no. A, it's just a little checklist at this end. Yeah. Um, And there's a uh, there's continuing professional development that you do. So I'll do an exam, like every quarter, it's not like, a, a, you know, a sit down full hour long exam. It's just like, yeah. there'll be a, a chosen subject, which could be for example this quarter was uh, something called conduct risk which is all about um how you can as a business um make sure that the client is at the heart of what you're doing so you're not doing anything that's gonna put the client at a disadvantage etc and mm. um, so you do that every quarter there's also uh webinars with various lenders and things that'll go through criteria to make sure you know what you're doing but every, everything is regulated and every ev- every quarter and um, one of the cases that I do will be checked mm. to make sure it's compliant and there's no mistakes and things like that. So mm. there's still a, a regulatory framework around everything that you do, basically. Mm. So what what
0: I mean, what's the market like for you and what's the sort of like in the the sort of peer, I suppose the, the B2B level of like um, you know, is it, is it sort of industry where it's kind of like share a lot of tips and information and there's a lot of support it, or is
1: it very like no
0: we've all got to get the client yeah
1: <laughs> <laughs> i think when you're um i think when you're a large corporate it's a lot more of the sort of you know you because we used to have a like a whatsapp group where if you had a complex case you could just say look does anyone know which lender might be able to help with this because so, some cases are quite um you know you you don't always get clear cases where it's mm. like, oh, yeah, we can just place that with, you know, the cheapest lender, whoever that is. Sometimes you have to do a lot of research, uh, which is fine. Um, but when you're on your own, um, everything that you do is, you know, there, there's no one else in the industry that that is going to help you mm. um, because they just won't. Um, they, they uh, you know, there's no one that you could sort of go to and say, oh, could you, unless, I guess, unless you were friendly with another mortgage advisor, you could you know, give him the outline of the case and say, what do you think to this? But generally, all the sort of research and things like that you do is is your own self. But you do get um, visited by business development managers from the lenders. And they go through criteria and things like that with you. And um, what I'd usually do is if I got a case that was quite complex, and I wasn't sure about where I could place it, I have access to first of all, a, a list of it's like a searchable list of criteria for the lenders where you type in the details it will bring up a list of who will do it. And then if it's, um, you need to be more specific than that, I'll just call, uh, one of the BDMs for the banks, uh, the development managers directly and talk it through with them and just see if it'll fit. Cause some cases, um, you know, although I don't have coworkers, et cetera, to, to run things by that there is support from lenders themselves in trying to make sure that you can place the client if, if it would work. Yeah. Uh, good level of detail here. I mean, I'm enjoying the level of detail. It's good. Oh, good.
0: Um, I'm not boring you. <laughs> no, no, well, th- this is, this is the thing. It's uh, the nitty gritty stuff, the interesting stuff. I think Good. just, uh, especially if anyone's interested in sort of going into the field, it's kind of like, oh yeah. 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 You know, it's like a, a, a free workshop with someone already. Yeah. In the industry. <laughs> um, so I'll start. I'll start then with my change question, which would, will be a strange question for you because you you kind of are in the position where you can kind of change most things because you you've just mm. set up for yourself. But the yeah. question is basically: if there were any three things that you could change about
1: your work right now, yeah, what would you change? Oh, interesting. Um, I think um, one of the things would be, I think sometimes with um, when you've got a sort of, um, a complex case in front of you, I think sometimes certain sort of lender criteria can be more sort of black and white. I think, I think there should be more common sense approach to people's cases. I think at the moment that's not going to happen because we've just come out of, you know, the a series of lockdowns and things are still quite restrictive. But I, I, I think, um, sometimes I feel like uh, the first thing I would change is that there should just be a bit more of a sort of flexible approach to, or maybe a more bespoke approach to clients cases when they are sort of out of the norm. So maybe a bit more flexibility and things like that. Yeah, so sort of less rigid, like obviously you need
0: a rigid criteria because of regulations yeah. and so on and the, the level of cash being spent. Yeah. But you also, there are always going to be people who don't fit into the flowchart. So yeah, that's it. What do we do with them? There needs to
1: be better, better uh, options. Yeah, I think that'd be, that'd be the first one. Maybe a more bespoke approach to, to, you know, certain, certain cases. Just the ones where you think, oh, you know, that it's so close to, to being able to do it. And, you know, you you want to help someone, but you can't just because it's just slightly out of the norm. Um, So I think that would be one thing. I think the second thing would probably be, um, I'd like to see, I can't influence stereo but I'd, I'd like to see a, a greater choice of products. I think at um lower loan to value. So people who are wanting to buy with, you know, 5% deposit, mm. um, or even a 10%, maybe more of a, a sort of choice. Cause there's still a greater choice now than there was, you know, um, a couple of years ago after we came out of there or we went into the the first lockdown. But I think I'd like to see more of a choice just because I think it's a lot of a, a lot of people um want to buy they want to be able to buy it's a big it's a big thing for a lot of people and some people can only um or they are only able to for whatever reason you know whether it's um sort of financially or, or otherwise they, they can only get to the five percent mm. and i think it would be good to have more options for um for people wanting to buy with five percent because you can go down the sort of help to buy a route with with new bills. But I think um, you know, on secondhand properties, I think um it can be quite difficult, especially if you're especially if you are buying with a five percent deposit and your case is already quite complex. Mm. Um so I think maybe more product choice would be the second thing. And um, think that'd be quite helpful. Um the final thing I think would probably be um I, I'd like to see a bit more because I deal with sometimes I deal with clients who have had maybe adverse credit in the past. So maybe they've, when they were um, younger, had like a default or a CCJ, you know, or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and sometimes it's not. It, you know, sometimes it's. Um, it can be like a, maybe like a, a parking ticket that they didn't yeah. think they needed to pay. Yeah, and it's turned into a, from years ago that's turned into a default Yeah, and especially
0: when you Jay. move around a lot when you're young and it's uh, yeah, like, that, but yeah it, it went to the yeah. house i never heard
1: about it that's and it suddenly yeah. 12 years later yeah 12 years later you can't get a mortgage or you yeah. you know you're um you're restricted massively with with which lenders you can go with i think um more of a uh sort of more of a choice on sort of mainstream products and by that i mean sort of your, your high street lenders for for clients who maybe have adverse that's that's not you know like not continuing and sort of repetitive but as as is the case you've just gone through like for example I, I do deal with people sometimes who have moved addresses quite a lot like at union things like that and a you know a missed letter uh or a you know a missed payment on a bill has come back to bite them years and years later mm-hmm. and they don't even realize it so maybe maybe actually as opposed to an actual change with lenders, maybe it's something to, maybe it's something that could be changed with them, um, you know, the actual, the, the way that we get notified about credit issues. Because if, if you're not, if you're not a member of like, you know, a, a credit reference agency, you've just got no clue mm-hmm. until you, until you try and get credit that something's actually happened. Mm-hmm. If that's the case where you've just not received a letter, so maybe something to do with that would be good. Because I think that would help a lot of people because a lot of people, you know, they, that have things like that, they're immediate sort of uh, responses or they, they clear it straight away but by then it's too late because it's already on there mm. so if they if they find out about it sooner you get rid of it and it's it's not an issue so maybe a a better way of you know finding if there are issues on your credit file when it actually happens as opposed to you know years later mm. would be helpful a lot of people as well would use a broker if they you know if it's not just a straightforward sort of oh yeah
0: through their yeah. bank and it's kind of like well f- for example like you know the past sort of 2015 to 2020, I was temping and it's yeah. like, well, you're not going to get a mortgage while you're temping. So, but right. I mean, if I, if I was, and I, you know, maybe I'd saved up a deposit or whatever, yeah. then I probably would have had to come
1: down the broker route, wouldn't I? Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Because, because um, there's also a certain sort of um uh people will generally first part of call, if they're looking to buy, they will go to the lender directly, but um criteria Between banks varies quite a lot. Mm. So, um, some people, um, I've I've posted about this recently. Actually, some people will um, go to their bank first. The bank will say to them, "Maybe there's something you know, criteria-wise, they won't do. They'll they'll decline them, say we can't do it, Mm. and and that'll be it." That person will then go away and think, "Well, I can't get a mortgage. Like you know, my lender has said so." But actually, because criteria does vary from lender to lender, it is always worth sitting with a broker because there might be a bank that will do it. Mm. um you, there's like you know there's there's a lot of banks in the uk mm. Um, it's just worth a chat at least because criteria does vary from bank to bank it's not all the same mm. do do you have to use banks like can you use building societies as yeah well? banks building
0: societies yeah, yeah. yeah. um sometimes Independ- let- there's some independence as well isn't there some independent yeah.
1: mortgage houses That's there's um there's banks building societies um there's sort of um more specialist lending outfits Mm. that I'd mainly use for like specialist buy to let cases like holiday lets and Mm. things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, there's also new lenders that I've just started. Um, there's a couple of new lenders that I've that I've started quite recently. Um, one of which um I, I I've discussed cases with quite a lot, and they're basically um a lender sort of built for first time buyers. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's more sort of lending outfits, you know, alongside just a traditional sort of bank and building society. Mm -hmm. I want to take us
0: back a little bit now to I want to sort of talk about your work life balance. So yeah, from working 14 hour days, I mean, I assume you started probably about 839 this morning, maybe? Yeah, and you would have finished around five. And now you're doing a potentially two hour interview.
1: That's correct. What the, the, I think it's um it's it feels a lot different because um I, I think I probably you know uh, in into the business itself I, I, I put a, a lot of hours like you know day to day, but the difference is it's a cho- it's a choice now, mm. whereas before it was right you have to be there at this time mm. you have to work till this time, where, whereas now I'm starting to learn to and I think it is like a, a learning thing. Like, yeah. cause I, 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 feel guilty when I don't, I, I now feel guilty when I don't like uh, when I'm not doing work, hmm. um, because it's been sort of ingrained in me that I should be working all, <laughs> all the time. So I feel, <laughs> so like on, on a Sunday, for example, if it's like a, you know, it's the, the, three or four o'clock, sometimes I'll get like a, like a, you know, a shiver down my spine. I'll think like, oh, I should be doing some work or, you know, this mm. kind of thing, but, and it's just about sort of trying to teach myself, you know, that, that it's okay to, to mm. sort of back off it. So my, I'd say my working hours now, are there's still be quite a lot, but. But less, are you actually yeah, doing less? Yeah. 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 It would nowhere near what I was doing before. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's, uh, it's, as I said, it's a choice now and I can decide to do that appointment or try and schedule it for another day i can decide to do that work now or actually can that work wait until tomorrow um you know and and sort of make sure that i'm not constantly you know um yeah in in the office environment doing is, nothing is, but cool. work yeah yeah i mean i i am um, you know i i take i've always even when you know i worked at costa coffee i've had like uh i've worked a lot Um, I always, you know, tried to take on extra shifts and things like that. Um, but it wasn't until the sort of last year at the place that I was at where it really got like out of hand. Um, I do like to, you know, I do like to put the hours in if necessary, but it's, it's I've learned or I'm learning to balance that now. Like, for example, if I was to, let's say if I was to work quite late one day, I I would now give myself time off the next day and maybe not start until, you know, the afternoon or go for a walk or, you know, go to the gym through the day. Whereas before that would have been, I would, it would have been unheard of. Like I would have worked if I'd have worked late one night, I would have still come in at the same time. The next day I'd have worked till late. I would have gone to the gym at midnight, 1.00 AM to like, whenever I I got out of the office, basically. So it's, it's a lot different now, which is good. And I'm able to fit in things that I want to do as well. Like, um, because, you know my diary is is under my own control um i can now plan things for myself as well which mm. is nice whereas i would never have done that before definitely yeah yeah so
0: i i mean you you said you were already doing like quite a few hours when you were the barrister yeah at yeah. Easter. Um, yeah so i i mean what what do you think that drove that was it just money was it money pressures um, just like you wanted to make
1: as much as possible or was it just like what else am I going to do I think um at the time it sort of was just like uh well yeah a a part of me was like well you know it's it's something to do like through the day Mm. uh to be honest I really enjoyed um I I enjoyed the job I enjoyed you know interacting with the customers and things like that so I liked being there Mm. there was a nice team around it was nice to go in and you know have um regulars that would come in and and that kind of thing and so it was quite a it wasn't a I mean, the the job was difficult because it we was really busy, but it wasn't you know like really intense. um, I didn't finish it and think, oh ah uh, you know, uh, I, I don't think I can ever go back there, you know, it wasn't that kind of sort of stress. so i I think I enjoyed it and I liked spending time there because you know, the regulars and things like that. but again, I think I always have this like I, I don't know, sort of I tend to take whatever I'm doing quite um quite personally like i I like to make sure that you know if there's an issue i can sort it out and and things like that um so maybe that's part of the reason but um i did enjoy being there quite a lot i mean do you think you could have done
0: anything do, do you think you would apply that sort of seriousness to to sort of anything like yeah. you you i mean like you said it was just some guy who was like come and be in an yeah, yeah. Like a state you like it no that's like a you know, it's like a hero's journey sort of yeah. to imitate the call yeah. to action.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I guess it could have been. Yeah, I guess it could have been. Yeah, there was no, I, I'd never thought about a new estate agent before that. Never, ever. Mm. It was just like, well, you know, I've been at Costa for a couple of years. I don't really know what what else to do. I had no other plans. So I thought, well, why not? I'll give it a go. And it's not like selling Sunset. Yeah. <laughs> 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 okay, so I'm gonna go back to some of the questions. So
0: I'll I'll yeah. want to go uh, back to lockdown. So take us through sort of your experience of, of lockdown. Um, yeah, was it uh, like sort of the initially going into it? Like how organized was that? Was it just utter chaos, and then you didn't know what to do? Well, did you end up working like loads more
1: hours, or week, yeah. week, did you work less, or how did it go? <laughs> Um, well, it was really strange for me because, um, we, uh, we were starting to do appointments, um, remotely, mm-hmm. so we started to do uh, the build up to the first lockdown. I still worked at the company I used to work at this point and we started doing things remotely and, um, there was sort of processes rolled out for how to do that, you know, compliantly and things like that. And then at the end of when it was actually announced, it was like, right. Well, everyone's sent at home, do everything remotely. And I still carried on, sort of as normal from yeah. home, because I still had, because I had quite a large client base, I still had things to do, you know, day to day. Um I already ha- I had a work laptop as well. Um so I just, for me, I just moved my things home and just carried on doing what I was doing. Mm-hmm. Um then There was the, you could still, I think, view houses for a little bit. You could still view houses for a bit and you could Mm -hmm. still exchange and complete. But I think they stopped that, didn't they? You could only Mm -hmm. like, if you already were buying a house, you could move, but you couldn't do anything other than that. So eventually the, well, pretty much straight away, actually, I remember it was quite abrupt, like within the Mm -hmm. first sort of week or so the appointments I was doing just cut out completely. Like I was, I was seeing maybe um at least 15 appointments per week Mike you know through that period and then from the first lockdown it just died that that was it and that that was weird for me because I wasn't used to doing like no that no doesn't appointments. happen <laughs> yeah no, it was really really strange um so I was just doing I did a lot of admin work caught up and everything mm. um and then the people in my sort of team we, we all started gradually getting put on furlough yeah. um so i think i lasted maybe like a, a month or so just working through mm-hmm. um making sure that my existing client base were okay mm-hmm. and then that was it one day i just got told oh you're going to be furloughed from friday and um, just make sure everything is in order mm-hmm. before you go uh, and that was it basically um
0: was there that, any worry about losing your job at that point was it's like um, "Well, what's going to happen i mean before the decision was made i am um, I didn't really think about it. it at You're too busy part,
1: thinking about what. Yeah, the the,
0: the huge <laughs> change in circumstance.
1: <laughs> I, I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do now. Um, <laughs> no, I um, I, I didn't think about it at the time. I because it because it was quite. Uh, it was a very a very big company. I wasn't concerned that I. I always assumed that they would be in some way prepared for something a lot because obviously, it, it had been leading up to something, I just mm. assumed they would be prepared for it. And with, with furlough, I didn't think that it was a risk that people might start to lose their jobs. Mm. Um, Because they hadn't mentioned anything about that. They, mm. they were always through it sort of assuring us that um because of the, you know, the preparations and the furlough, yeah. everything would be okay. Um, So it didn't cross my mind, to be honest. <laughs> I think it I was more sort of, concerned about I think at the forefront of my mind was more about like how much life had changed like overnight mm. um I found that quite stressful because I, I have quite like sure. uh you know I, I like my sort of day-to-day routine and it was a massive shock you know not, <laughs> not going yeah, from man. that to that but I wasn't really I wasn't con I didn't think at that point that it would come to you know job losses and things um but that was just simply because we were told all the way through, you know, not to worry, and that we'd be on furlough, and then eventually we'd be back uh, when lockdown started to to withdraw. I think part of it was being in property because they'd kept the property market going for so long; mm. it didn't seem as though we were as at risk because there were still transactions going through. Mm. Yeah, so at, at the time, I wasn't thinking about it really. Mm. Did they start laying people off then later? Did it? Um, didn't it- in the end, no, no. They, they never did it, it. um it just they, I think the thing with them, um, with property is that you, you, you are why you look at everything sort of three months in advance. So mm-hmm. when you sell a property, for example, you don't get paid on that for three months. So you've always yeah. got so even through lockdown, etc, there was still you know transactions going through. Mm. So even though there was no new business sort of going in, Mm. Um, which which technically there was because there were still people that needed to remortgage. Yeah. So there were still remortgages happening. There was still an income coming in. Yeah. Um, They didn't, in the end, need to, I don't think anyone was sort of let go in the end. Mm. Um, People were furloughed for longer than others, depending on the role. Mm. But um, no one was was let go from the company that I was at. Mm. Yeah. So uh, sort of
0: going back into the office, I mean, the, the, the other side of that question is, I mean, like, did it has it changed any of your work sort of permanently? I mean, did it result in you being more sort of online remote working or yeah. like has has it had any long-term effects? Yeah for you?
1: Yeah. yeah, even now, um, you know, eighty percent of the appointments that I'll do will be remote. Yeah. Um it and, and that's out of client choice. I always say to the client, like, you know, would you prefer to meet face to face or would you prefer um remote and eighty? percent of the time it's, I'd like a telephone appointment or, you know, um, I'd, I'd prefer just doing, um, that or zoom or whichever, Mm. as opposed to actually meeting face to face. I I think it's still, uh, I think after, you know, the the first lockdown, everything, I I think people are still accustomed to that. That's what, you know, almost what their sort of world is, is used to now. And I think people have realized it's so easy to, to do everything remotely that it, it doesn't for a lot of people doesn't make sense to do it face to face it's just easier to just you know do it over the phone etc and mm. um, so my process have changed because like, i prior to that everything was face to face for yeah. me and it would have been still like if that hadn't happened everything would have been face to face still it, it was sort of it wasn't really heard of you know doing like it banks did it but mm. um we never did it um and then now it's just become the norm like for me it's just like i'm actually surprised when someone asks me for a face-to-face appointment um because it's just so unheard of is it like a bit of a pain now even though you would probably prefer to do that Um, (laughs) it's it's, uh it's more (laughs) yeah it's it's more of a shock um it's uh i actually it it's quite like (laughs) uh trying to find a way of describing it it's like um it's almost like you know, like when um you've got like a bag of crisps and you think they've all gone and you find like one more, it's like, oh like it's like a pleasant <laughs> surprise when someone's like, Oh that obviously oh, so wanted to meet face to face. Uh yeah, you know, it's 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 it, for me it's fine. It's um it's uh It's sometimes it's actually easier face-to-face because- I was gonna say, what's the trade-off for you? Because, you know,
0: obviously like in terms of productivity, you can get in more zoom calls or whatever. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, that's easier, but you know, they are exhausting as well. Yeah. And also, you know, you emphasized that you were in this role for people.
1: And it's like, that's it you obviously wanna meet the people. I would- That's right. Yeah. I do, I do miss doing all face-to-face because Mm. like you said, you do meet people. Mm. Um, but it's, uh, it's interesting, like you, I, I, I think I've almost become used to, you know, the phone side of it now, like I, I, I as that's how you, you know, socialize through, through work with people, like through, mm. through the phone, mm. but, um, it's, yeah, it is easier. Um, like you say, productivity wise, you, you can do more phone appointments. Mm. Um, you, you just can fit more people in, mm. but from like, uh, the perspective of sometimes, maybe explaining things to a client or, you know, just having like visual aids, because sometimes people, if they're doing a phone appointment, as opposed to like a zoom call, you can't, you you sometimes can't sort of adequately get across to them. Yeah, you lose so much expression and yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, So I think you, I think from the client's point of view, I think maybe if I was to do every single appointment face to face. I think I'd probably get more of a sort of um more of a client sort of buy-in than over the phone because I think ev- everyone now is over the phone mostly mm. and you want to I, well I, I especially as as a I want to explain to people why I'm different mm. and sometimes over the phone especially if the person is maybe like you know, that they're in a rush or they want to get off the phone quickly. It's difficult to put that across. Um, like for example, and, and people, I think sometimes they won't take a phone appointment as seriously as face to face, Yeah, which is okay on one side for me, because I, with the brand that I've got, I want to make mortgage advice more approachable and, you know, user friendly. So that's fine for me. It doesn't have to be formal, but I think when you book a phone appointment with someone, for example, I had somebody the other day, they were, I think, about 20 minutes late, and they they could only give me about 10 minutes. You can't, you know, you can't do a proper point in that time. So all you can do really is try and explain to them how you're different in sort of five minutes and then try and rearrange the appointment with them. So sometimes it can be a difficulty because before you actually get on the phone, with the client, there's that sort of um there's that sort of um pre sort of um image in the head that Mm. you just like every other broker they've spoken to. And so, you know, it's a bit of a a chore. And it sometimes you can find yourself on the back foot a little bit with the time that you've got with the client in that respect. Whereas with face to face, I think if someone's booked in at a certain time, they can't it's more difficult to it's more awkward like ringing up and saying I'm going to turn up late and things like that so there's two sides to it really I think if I was to do every appointment face to face I think I'd probably get more um of the sort of uh personal buy-in from every client Mm -hmm. because some clients when you do a phone appointment with them they don't have the time to you can't spend as much time with them as you would like um like if happens, to them as well, it's just like, oh, well, I've got to, you know, I've got to ring the broker. And it, it's just another yeah.
0: task on their list of things to do. That's that, it, yeah, Whereas yeah. you're kind yeah. of like, no, let's take the time with this and
1: yeah. do it and, right. You know, you want to, um, yeah, you, you want to get to know the client as well, because, it, yeah. you know, you, you want to, you're going to be working with them. If you, you do a mortgage fund, you're going to be working with them for a long time. So, you know, you want to get to know them and, you know, you you want to get on with them and find out about, for me especially, um if I'm helping them through the buying process, it's helpful to know a bit about their search and what kind of property they want and things like that. Um, and sometimes on the phone, if they're in a rush or they're going somewhere, um, they're a bit like, why are you asking me this? And, you know, uh, whereas face-to-face, you've got that sort of uh, sort of prejudgment that I'm, I'm going to be here for you know an hour at least and, and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Whereas on the phone, it could sometimes be a little bit like, well, we'll just get this out of the way and over and done with. So you lose, you sometimes lose the ability to um, sort of, get across to the client how you're different or sort of you know um get along with the client to the extent that you'd like to find out a bit more about the search and things like that Mm. yeah
0: and it's it's one of those weird things because there's not a fixed price so it's it's always like yeah you know how how much how much does it cost like how long is a piece of string and it's kind yeah of, it, that that makes it awkward for people we do like to just have a price it's like how much is this going to cost me i want to know how to pay it and
1: it's done so yeah that makes it awkward i think um for the it's more like um the, the there's so many sort of complexities that can come into a case as well like you want to make sure that you um that you get because what you don't want to do is um spend you know five ten minutes on a phone with a client and then you haven't got the detail that you need because if mm. they you might spend because sometimes i've had you know phone calls where the client's been really really you know you rushed to get off the phone i need yeah. to get somewhere they're giving me um so maybe five ten minutes and i've tried to take you know the details that i can I, you know it's, you're not able to really do it in that time and then uh, i i've heard nothing and then out of the blue like 2 3 months later you get a text i found a house can you um can you do the mortgage for me yeah. It's like well uh, i can but we're going to have to do an appointment <laughs> first because you know, i need i need some details so you you just want to make sure that not only for your own purposes that y- you're giving the right advice but also that the client has the right advice so they're not in that example, they're not going to a property that they either don't know they can afford or they don't know what the payments are like, you know, things like that. So it's, it, it's good for them as well to have more time because it's so complex. They You want to make sure they know the kind of property they should be looking at and that they've got all the information they need as well mm-hmm. because it works both ways. I need, the, um, I need information from the client to make sure I advise properly. Um, but the client also needs to know that when they find a property, they are going to be able to buy it and what the cost is going to be as well. So it's there's two sides to it, yeah. Yeah, cool.
0: Okay, so I'm gonna go jump straight into the Brexit question now. Mm. Um, so uh, have you noticed any change? I mean, obviously you weren't in this business when we exited, but yeah. Um, I mean, has Brexit affected your work in any way that you've noticed? Um, I think that
1: that there are. If I was going through like the exams and things like that. Um, as of now the entire syllabus would be different mm. because um, as you said when I was sort of going through it you know the effects aren't coming to place yet I haven't noticed any major changes to sort of the lending environment and you know I, apart from what's happening with sort of lockdown and, COVID and things mm. I haven't noticed Brexit have a massive effect on advice and things like that just yet they've changed the name of some of the things that we use. Apart from that, I've not uh, had any. Ch- changed the names on some forms, so like scribbled it. Out Basically, yeah, the number. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that, but apart from that, there's not really been any like major changes. I've not had any. Um, <clears throat> not had any um communications that X needs to be done differently. But I think be, these kind of things take like years to to go through and change. So I don't think the full effect of it will be seen for quite a while now, and mm. because um, it's still relatively. I think in the financial services world, especially, it's still relatively sort of fresh. There's, mm. If you were reading like, um, or the company I used to work at, if you were reading like communications now, th- there's not been any like major changes come through mm. um, as a result of it just yet, but everything is still subject to change further down the line. Mm. Um, that's the thing. So I think it will be, might be a few years. But as I said, if you're going through the exams now, there might be some changes to certain things in there um but i don't there's nothing like day to day that's that's changed for me really you wouldn't be sort of dealing with um like
0: overseas buyers or anything anyway would you say i I mean like that's the only thing i could maybe imagine that changing in
1: yeah i think the um the actually the the main thing that um that has changed because i i have quite a few clients who are from like eu nationalities like Mm. um maybe uh, like Poland, places like that. Mm. And one of the changes is how lenders deal with uh, clients who have got like settled or pre-settled status. Mm. I remember this is actually probably the only major change I've noticed. When um, Brexit sort of was first sort of going through and there was a lot of sort of worry about what would happen to, you know, mortgage clients who were wanting to buy and they were national, not British nationals, but lived in the UK. And yeah. uh, a lot of lenders for a certain amount of time wanted every client to be, to have settled status, which is essentially like you indefinite leave to remain, et cetera, mm. as opposed to pre-settled. Whereas prior to that, it was a lot easier if you were sort of pre-settled. Mm. Um, whereas now I think more lenders are leaning towards like, you know, as long as you've got pre-settled status, it's, it's okay. So that was a change, but again, nothing, um, nothing major apart from that. Mm. But, uh, but yeah, I, overseas clients, I, I personally wouldn't deal with, um, I just yeah. deal with, uh, UK clients and, and the bulk of that are, are all in Leeds. There's probably another exam to do for overseas anyway. I would imagine. Yeah. I vowed, <laughs> I vowed never to do another exam after the last one, <laughs> that, apart, apart from the ones I have to do every, every quarter. Um, yeah. I, I vowed after walking out of the, the last one that I, I would never do one again. But
0: the plus side is like in the work that you're in, you know, like you say, you are getting constantly updated and, and trained. Yeah. So you are sort of constantly keeping your skills fresh and yeah, that's it. up to date. Random question to throw in here. Like how how long do you see yourself doing this for then? Do you think this is like, I, I'm going to do this now, this is yeah. my career? Or do you do you see yourself sort of developing this business up and then maybe offering other services or taking it in different directions?
1: Think, um I think this is I, the thing. I, I think this is probably it. Like I, I always, um, I, like I said, to do like other areas of financial advice, um, which is an option that I did think about, you, you have to do more exams and study. And <laughs> I, I really, I, after if I the, yeah, <laughs> I, after, after the last one, I, I really didn't want to do it anymore. I think I would like to spe- just specialize in, in mortgages. Mm. You know, it, i'm not really interested in going down the full financial advice route or the like equity release and and things like that i just know mortgages and that's i think you know if you i think if you know one thing and you're really good at it and Mm. you know you you concentrate on that i think that's better in my opinion than spreading myself too thin over Mm. lots of different areas of advice because with with mortgages you know you because as I said, lender criteria varies like from lender to lender. Mm. I deal with cases, you know, day to day. Some of them are complex, some of them are simple. And it's, I've been doing it for, I think this is like, yeah, this will be like the fifth year now of, mm. of of doing mortgage advice. So it's not often I get a client site in front of me where they'll talk me through their case. I will be like, right, we can use X, Y, Z lender. You know, I know exactly what I can place you with. And I think that's better for the client as well than me taking time away out of mortgage advice and doing other areas of advice. Mm. And then a client sat in front of me and I've forgotten where I can place them. I think yeah. I'd rather focus on just that and you know, and know that inside out than yeah. try and do other things, although saying that um, I wouldn't be adverse to in future. Um, uh, going into the residential advice, but with uh, someone else who was qualified in that, yeah, as opposed to uh, me doing it, I'm I'm fine just concentrating on mortgages. I like mm-hmm. being able to sort of know that and uh, what lenders will do and things like that. Um, but I wouldn't be adverse to going down that route um, with somebody else that that I could take on and they could deal with that. Mm. But apart from that, I, I don't see myself becoming an actor anytime soon <laughs> or. Uh, <laughs> or uh, selling someone a, a praline latte again um so i but, think i think this is probably it yeah we we could probably segue uh, quite neatly from that too I, I mean you know
0: there's an element of performance in sales oh yes like, yeah. you know you with with the social media stuff as well like yeah. you are you're being a media star um you know you're a, you, you're potentially a filmmaker and now you're potentially a podcaster
1: and <laughs> you when you say it like that yeah that makes yeah yeah actually, well there we go yeah so I, you know I, i've achieved that you know i am an actor yeah after all so on the social media question then
0: like i, I mean obviously it's it's like crucial for you but i mean do yeah. you do you really see do you feel that you see the benefit kind of straight away like how much of your time does social media take up for your work And like, do you feel that that's like a
1: noticeable increase as opposed to? Yeah, um, Yeah. it was, um, when I first um, set up, it was like, I I had no idea because all I know, like I said, all I know is mortgages and you know, that that kind of thing. It, I had no idea what was right and what was wrong with Mm. like social media, when I should be posting, how I should be posting things like that. And also you've got to, um, before I post something I've got to make sure it's compliant as well so there's that as well so you've got to make sure what you're posting is um is compliant you're not breaking any rules by posting it and when I first set up it was um it it was really really that <laughs> probably more stressful than actually giving the advice like trying to work mm-hmm. out what to do on like social media and things like that because even like personally I'm not very good with Instagram mm-hmm. and things like that and I wasn't really active on like LinkedIn and you know um, Facebook. I don't, I don't. Facebook and stuff like that. I, I didn't really use it like massively. Mm. So it, it was like trying to learn. That, that was something else to learn. Like mm. so, when I first set up, it, doing all that alongside doing the the mortgage stuff was quite difficult because that in itself is quite time consuming. Because it's like thinking about what to post, mm. making sure that it's actually okay to post. Mm. working out when to post it, mm. uh, how often to post it, because, mm. um, you, you, you know, I don't want to annoy people either. Mm. Like, you mm. know, I've got my friends and family on there. I don't want them seeing, uh, you know, constant like <laughs> mortgage stuff and also setting up like the different business pages. That's a, a bit of a like logistical nightmare in itself sometimes because like, you know, like just all the different pages and things like that. Linking them all to the website, yeah, photos. yeah, your
0: branding consistency and yeah. like I'm I'm being visually consistent across all of that, exactly, I totally yeah. Do, but
1: <laughs> Wait, well, I I wasn't either until recently. Like, yeah, because I and also I have a I had a really good uh, there's a, the guy that did all my branding and like the the design and stuff is really really good. And uh, but because you've got to, or oh, when I first started, I thought I've got to post quite often. A lot of the stuff that I was doing, I was just trying to do myself. Mm. um and it just a lot of the early stuff doesn't look very good mm. um I've got rid of some of it now because <laughs> it just doesn't <laughs> like you say it doesn't fit in with like the brand the early stuff doesn't fit in mm. um so probably up until like January time I was just doing it all myself and it was quite um quite stre- it was quite time-consuming and stressful mm. um but then in um January I think it was January February time mm. um I booked on a course with uh, a lady who did like um, specializing in like social media marketing for financial advisors and things like that. Um, and she went through like a boot camp with me on how to, you know, like I- improve it and what to do and things like that and how to make sure the brand was consistent. Um, and that was really helpful because it gave me ideas on what to do. And then I met um, a lady at a networking event recently um, who does content for social media. Um, so basically, what what she will do now is um, we'll have a meeting like once a month, and um, I'll give uh, basically like we'll brainstorm maybe like questions that I've been asked or yeah. um, issues that I've had with you know cases in the month and things like that, mm. and then she does like a diary for me mm. um, month to month of like when to post certain things and like how to post it and things like that, mm. and that makes life so much easier because for me it's just easier having a guide there of this is a as opposed to me thinking on a certain day or oh, what do i what am i supposed to do today mm. i've got something that i can refer to and think actually right that's what i'm posting today and this is why and that kind of thing so mm. for me it's it's a lot easier so um now i've got someone that i work with um who helps me with that and that that's taking a massive weight off my shoulders because mm. then you know that it's being done properly because yep. um I'm not a, as I said, I'm not a marketing expert. I'm yeah. just a mortgage yeah. advisor. Graphi- I'm not a graphic designer. I'm, not I, a I'm definitely not. No, I'm... <laughs> yeah, hundred percent, none of those things. I was really lucky actually because my, um, I do a lot of videos for, uh, like, um, for set, well, for the Facebook page and things like that. And my cousin actually films, uh, films them, but he films for like Sky Sports and things like that. Yeah. So, um, luckily for me. I had a professional on hand because that could have turned out so badly mm. um, trying to film something myself or, you know, like on a, mm. a handheld camera or whatever, but, but it's gone a lot better. Um, <laughs> it's luckily. Good to know people. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And um, I think it's, you know, the but the the content planning has really helped me recently mm. um, just free up time and just relax about like what to post and when to post it, it just makes things so much easier. Yeah, yeah. cool. Um, okay, so I'm going to go into the
0: UBI question now. Basically, the the question is: if we had a universal basic income, yeah. would do you still work? Would you still be doing this job?
1: <laughs> uh, do, do You know, that's a that's, uh, that's a really difficult question actually because um, I I don't know. It's it's if we just had one income and you didn't have to work and you just got that income. I th- I think. Do you know what? Actually, I think I think I would because. Um, I'd, I'd, you know, it is stressful, but I do enjoy it. So I think it's, uh, for me, it's it's nice to, you know, to be able to help people into, into a house. I, I think I would still do it, yeah. Although it would be tempting to just not. But then the thing is when I was on, you know, when I was on furlough mm. and I wasn't working, mm. you know, I, I was sort of at a, at a loose end, like, mm. Um, what do I do with all this time? Mm. And I think that would be that would be the case. I think I would have to do something. Mm. Um, you what know, did I've, you I've, do with all the, the the spare time? Was it just either, re- and chill, or, I, it, or were you just staring
0: even, at the ball Go. When does this end?
1: <laughs> As I, I'm a I'm a big I'm a big fan of sleep. Um, <laughs> I spent, uh, a lot of time in bed. Um, probably catching up after all those. Yeah. See nowadays. <laughs> I, the thing is, like when I when I look back now, I don't actually remember what I did. Um, I bought um, I bought a thousand one movies to see before you die, a thousand one books to read before you die, and a thousand one <laughs> songs to listen to before you die, and um, I made it through maybe two pages of the films, uh, and then and then re- and that that was it. Uh, books I don't think has been opened, uh, neither is the songs actually. They're both just the, the placeholders now um, nice. on on my shelf. Um, but yeah, I don't remember what I did. I, I don't think I did that much. Um, yeah. There wasn't that much to do, but uh, yeah. I didn't even go for like walks or anything like that. Yeah. Um, I went for a jog outside, and you know when you were allowed, but um, I, I didn't do that much. I think it was just like it, it because I think because there was no like there was no need to like get up. You know, there was mm. there was no sort of motivation behind it. So mm. I think I'd probably be in the same position. Like mm. I, I, I I'd I'd want to have something to you know get up and sort of do and occupy my time Mm. um if i if i won, you know if i won the lottery tomorrow i'd probably do like still do something you know probably still do this (laughs) (laughs) part-time
0: it'd be really interesting to see what you 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 know like you could do within the industry you know like if you didn't have to have those limitations that they I don't know there's lots of interesting opportunities there um <laughs> right so what questions have we not done climate change so um uh, like so I use climate change as well to kind of represent the kind of broader green agenda yeah um like with your sort of work yeah I mean obviously you're not traveling as much to oh yeah, like, yeah. just to meet clients and so on but like yeah. is there anything that you can do is it anything that's like is it on your radar at all is
1: it something that you can do anything about or yeah funnily enough actually um one of the things that i wanted to um to do like on my linkedin for example you can see you know what there's that section where it's like talks about and that kind of thing um i've got eco-friendly in there because what i was wanting to do was um when i when i get a client who has completed and moves into a house. Mm. What I'm wanting to start doing is like sending um like a box of just like a little a little gift box, but with a lot of like eco-friendly products in there. Mm. Like there were there were certain things that I saw like brushes that are made out of like sustainable materials and ju- just like things a little bit less outside the norm. And I was also thinking about like for every client that um has moved in, like maybe like, you know, planting a tree or you have know, something to because mm. because a lot of the um work that i do like it is from home like there's no you know and th- there's no um everything's digital now so there's not a lot that i do that is yeah uh, you yeah. don't need bits of
0: machinery you don't need logistics i yeah, need anything it. sort of like massive i mean like yeah how much do
1: you get in terms of deliveries is it what is it printer ink and <laughs> <laughs> yeah printer ink yeah yeah and even then it's not often yeah <laughs> it's um but yeah it, it, i think for me it is it is on the radar i'd, I'd like to do something like that but um i, I haven't because it's still early stages i haven't decided exactly what i want i want it to be maybe involved in like the um the like the boxes that i'd send because then you're mm. you, you raising awareness as well as you know being part of it you sort of raising awareness as well which i think mm. is important mm. um and also that you know the other side of it like planting a tree and things like that i think is you know important just because again, it's raising awareness, and you're also doing something that's that's helpful. And mm. um, it's just when you first set up, there's, there's so many things to set up yeah. that it just takes a long time till you can actually get anything like going. But I'm at a point now where like, um, I want to start doing something more, um, you know, sort of more productive and that kind of thing. I think it's important, especially when you're, um, especially when you're a small business. And when you like when when you go to like networking and things like that, if you're doing something like that, it's it's good to you know share that with other mm. like local mm. you know local businesses and things like that because then if it, if everyone starts doing one sort of smaller thing, it can amount to a sort of larger thing because mm. like big big businesses you can't really you know as, as a a small business you can't really affect anything like that but. If you're doing something, sometimes, you know, you, you meet somebody else and you're like, oh, well, you know, I do this when a client moves in, mm. sometimes like, oh, that's a good idea. And then they might start doing it. Sometimes it can just pick up from there. So I think it's it's, it's a good thing to, for maybe like smaller businesses to do, like, just mm. just like one little thing, because it I mean, can it, help.
0: The the best thing in terms of small businesses, depending on what the business is, but a business like yours is like, the, it, it, it's it's place it's being in a place you know it's like people can come and sort of deal with you and deal with you directly and yeah yeah it's it, you know that the money's staying in the city and it's not going yeah. up to a big conglomerate yeah yes
1: yeah, so, that's it yeah. yeah
0: so you know there's there's the, the immediate benefits there as well yeah um like i i spoke to toby green from my carbon have you come across my carbon at all so? no not
1: yet not yet
0: um so they like um Sorry if I've got the name of your company wrong, Toby. Uh, <laughs> I'll double check it for later. Um, but yeah, they do sort of net zero certifications and like collections oh, okay. and yeah. stuff. So there's things like that happening. And like yeah. as well, like I like your idea of sort of, you know, it's like a kind of courtesy gift package of yeah. like brushes and stuff. The kind of stuff that you want when you arrive to move it yeah, in yeah. somewhere that you, you, know, you sort of don't have. And But yeah, you could put in stuff of like you know, if you know that the house is not particularly well insulated, it's like, here's an yeah. here's, you know. Yeah, 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 just to help, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, and that, that could become a real, you know, that that could turn into something that's really beneficial for people of just yeah.
1: like, oh, here's a bunch of you know, actually useful things for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. Exactly, yeah. Especially when you first move in and everything's uh, up in the air when you, you know, your boxes everywhere and stuff, yeah. So it's yeah. it's just sometimes helpful, but If it's, you know, helping something else as well, and it's good. Mm. Mm. Maybe you could leave
0: them a couple of like milk crates as well, because, you know, that's the traditional sort of moving in with no furniture (laughs) sitting on. (laughs) Here's your complimentary milk crates. (laughs) (laughs) That's it. (laughs) They're all reclaimed from landfill, you know. Sustainable. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I am curious to know sort of in terms of, so are you
1: mostly from home, working from home now? Yeah. I'll mainly work uh, from home. Do home visits for clients. Yeah. Um, sometimes it's nice, like you know, going to a cafe or something mm-hmm. to work from. But ma- mainly based from home. Yeah. Do you ever do any co-working anything like that? Have you, you... Oh, I've um, I've looked into that actually. Uh, I went to visit a um, a co-working space recently. Um, I think that's a really good idea. But the problem for me is um, I because I do so little face-to-face appointments. Mm. Um and the ones that I do can be done at the client's house. Mm-hmm. For me it doesn't there's not the sort of um need benefit, there to yeah. yeah. Um and I I'm okay sort of working from home, I don't mind it. I do like to get out and, you know, like go outside and like walk around or go work from like a, you know, a cafe or something. But um a lot of the co work spaces that I've seen are in the centre and I'm I'm in Headingley, so yeah. And your yeah, clients can probably just probably in Headingley as well. Yeah, Headingley or yeah. North Leeds area. Mm. Yeah. Um, so for me, it's um, it's easy to just like take the laptop, go sit somewhere in Headingley and that's it. Um, to take a whole day and go into the center and uh, there wouldn't be that enu- enough demand for it. You know, clients wanting to sit down face to face. If I had a whole day where there were clients who were needing to go through uh, maybe document signing or things like that, Mm. Then it would be, but um, a lot of the time it's it's just sporadic as opposed to all at the same time. Mm. But I did go visit, and they are quite nice. I, there was one in particular I wanted to look at, which I quite liked mm. near the train station. Um, but it's just it just wouldn't work for me at the moment, unfortunately. Is that platform? It was to work to work, right? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I, oh, that's sort of round the back entrance near yeah, the Bank Westbrook. of England. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um yeah so do you like within within your home do you have a, a, a space to work have you got an office space or is it just like you know kitchen table or wherever are you just on your
1: where, app or it, wherever i've been um, i've moved um I, I have um oh well i don't really know where, there's a corner in my room that i'm um uh i'm changing into a uh like a a, a sort of walking office, <laughs> but not like, not like a walk-in, walk walking office space. Um, cause I have, uh, I, I just, uh, I usually, um, put my chair next to, I've, I've got a cabinet, which is desk height. Mm. Um, so I just use that. Um, but I'm trying to rearrange so that I've got like uh, an actual desk space in what is like the corner of the room. It just makes mm. more sense to have it that way. And also when I'm, um, and I'm not sat. the cabinet right now but um when i'm on zoom calls there because of where the light is Mm. you can't you can't see me it's behind me so you can't you can't see me (laughs) properly it looks like i'm trying to disguise myself on zoom calls um so it's just better to yeah um so like dr claw or something you know? yes yeah, like yeah. i am your mortgage broker <laughs> it's just a shadowy like the, silhouette yeah i did the blowfeld of mortgages you can trust yeah. me that's it uh, so it does not look good so i'm i'm, I'm, I'm in the process of, of, of moving offices from one corner to the other yeah
0: <laughs> so well I, I would say to you like you know as, as someone who's ruined their back from years of sitting in office chairs and stuff, like don't you know, like make sure you, yeah, do some health and safety checks on yourself. For, like, uh, right, yeah. <laughs> don't ruin your eyes. Don't ruin your back. And, uh, yeah, yeah, that's a good point, it. actually. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, so I'm going to throw it over to you. I, I I mean I, I'll throw it over to you, but also, um, talk us through the the Oscars of mortgages.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, well, I was, uh, yeah, so in 2020, um, I was nominated for the, uh, the British mortgage awards, mm. um, in the, the rising star category. Um, so basically what you, what you have to do for that, th- this was, uh, the place I used to work at you, you essentially, um, you were nominated, uh, l- pretty much well a, a lot of, if not all mortgage, like, you know, companies, um, or big like corporates in the. UK will nominate employees for certain categories. So it's a national thing. Um, So you get nominated. So for each category, a certain number of people will be nominated within each company for that. Mm -hmm. So I was nominated for Rising Star. And then there's different rounds that you go through. So the first one, you have to get enough votes to get through to the the actual final. Mm -hmm. So that just involves trying to get, you know, Mm -hmm. clients and co work and things like that to, to vote for you to get through which I did so I got through to the final after the voting um so I was um representing the company in the final in that category mm. uh and that's basically what what it usually is is you go down to London and it's a black tie event and mm. you know there's a guest speaker and things like that this was in 2020 so it was during you know when we weren't allowed to to gather so mm. it was all via uh zoom mm. um via video link basically when it actually happened um so I think I was nominated in, I think it might have been, uh, I want to say like April, May time. Mm -hmm. Um, And I found out I got through to the final, um, which was really exciting. Mm -hmm. And then there was another round where so there were three of us in the final for that category. And you had to do a you had to write a testimonial about sort of your career so far, and like achievements and things like that. Um, And then you had to have an interview with, there were three uh, judges uh, from I think they were from three different lenders um like big, um, lenders, mainstream ones. Um, and they just asked you a lot of questions on like your sort of history as an advisor and like, mm. um, motivations and things like that. Mm. And that was it. Like I heard nothing again and the final kept getting postponed and postponed. Mm. So it ended up happening in December that year. So there was like nearly a, a half year wait for it. And, mine was the first category to get announced. And I uh, found out within like the first like 10 minutes that I'd not been successful. Um, <laughs> after all which, that time, which after, after <laughs> ha- half a year yeah. of waiting, and you know, all the work that I'd put in was, uh, was really, you know, disappointing, but But then it ruins the whole rest of the event that doesn't it because it like, really do not want to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> i have so much respect for you know the um at the, at the oscars where the the actors uh lose in the category and then they uh <laughs> Keep sits the the rest of it. It, yeah <laughs> yeah um yeah it really it really did ruin the rest of the event yeah um oh. but you know I've, I've, it was um it it's was a pleasure to, just
0: to be nominated
1: exactly yes <laughs> it is yeah it was a pleasure to be nominated and to, um, you know like to be in
0: there and in the running and you you know you did well still you, it was. It wasn't like something you
1: campaigned for, you know. Yeah, it it was. It was really nice because, um, you know, it to get to the file, you have to get votes from you know your clients and things yeah. like that, and you know they they wouldn't have voted for me if they hated me. So, so it's, yeah. yeah, it's I must. It, it it was good to, to for you know to to have that effect on you know because I like to, I like to make sure that when I deal with a client it's you know that they're happy and they're not you know they're not that they get the best service that that they can and I think the fact that they all voted for me and I managed to get through to the final it shows that you know they they were happy with it and they you know they took the time out to do that so I was really really happy I would have been happy if I won of course but uh, you know what can you what, <laughs> what can you do <laughs> um, but yeah go nah, and threaten I, some it, judges next time or you exactly, know exactly yeah or, or, or but, but, cheat the ballot you know <laughs> funnily <funny> enough <laughs> Um, I got nominated again for the same category, uh, last year, but I, I left, I left the company last year. So, uh, I was <laughs> withdrawn. I was, uh, voluntarily withdrawn from the, from the running, but yeah, mm. it would I think to, to lose it two years in a row would have been too much to bear. I that think, would yeah. yeah. Griffin, yeah.
0: <laughs> so, um, yeah. Do you want to hand out socials and stuff? Where, where can people find
1: you? Uh, yeah so basically um you'll find uh set mortgages on facebook and instagram it's just at set mortgages mm. and then um i'm on linkedin personally um as elliot benson and that's I, I do um some newsletters on there so if you you know if if you were interested in you know the the lending environment at the moment and just tips and things like that i do monthly newsletters on there and um, but there's a lot of tips and you know things like that on facebook and instagram videos as well which i quite helpful if you're looking to buy or if you're self-employed or you know anything like that there's there's things on there um, that'll, that you'll find helpful thank you again to Elliot for being my guest thanks again to all my
0: guests and thanks to you Leeds for being my subject and of course most of all thank you to you my dear listener please come back next week and hear me speak to a man who works with borrowers okay that's me cheers ears take care out there and be kind to each other Leeds If you're listening to this, I assume you have some connection to Leeds, like living here or being from here. If you're such a person in Leeds or from Leeds and you haven't done your recording for Working Hours yet, then don't wait. Email me now, right now, quick, get a pen. Working Pod at western-studios.com If you fancy being my guest, put guest in the subject line of your email and add a short bio in the message. Stick in some suggestions of your availability and I'll send you a release form and a Zoom invite. If you'd like to be on Working Hours, I will need a two-hour window for us to record in. I can record in your work time or during your downtime. I have been recording interviews for Working Hours for every year on Zoom, but I can also record offline. You can appear on Working Hours anonymously or you can promote yourself and or your company or brand cleaner or owner what is your experience how do you feel about work what do you like and not like what do you do Leeds? be a part of local history have your voice heard share your wisdom give us the inside skinny this is your show Leeds, and it's all about what you make of yourself do you know what you're doing if you do then come and tell me all about it come on working hours even if you don't know what you're doing i certainly don't email me right now quick get a pen Pod at western-studios.com. If you're allowed to do that, that is. If you're not allowed to do that, then tell me why. If you and your business aren't ashamed of what you do, then let's hear all about it. What good are you doing the rest of us? Are you socially useful? Am I? Is this? Send your feedback, questions, comments, and queries right now to Working Pod at western-studios.com. What is happening, Leeds? Find out by following this show on Twitter at working hours three and on Instagram at working hours pod leads to find out when new episodes are going to be released or just use the hashtag hash working hours pod leads on either of those sites to find me I'm on Facebook facebook.com forward slash western underscore studios underscore leads I'm also on LinkedIn linkedin.com forward slash i n forward slash simon hyphen treen treen is t-r-e-n Or you can go to my company page, which is linkedin.com forward slash company forward slash Western hyphen studios. If you want to make a podcast in Leeds, whether it's for a cause, a publicity campaign, a product promotion, or your own passion project, then get in touch with me. Western Studios for support, advice and guidance on anything podcasts. At Western Studios, you work with a real life loiner who is actually in Leeds, who you can actually work with on making podcast content. So don't wade through articles and videos and podcasts about how to make podcasts, just get on with it. Western Studios can make your podcast with you or even for you. Western Studios can take on your podcast boring, time consuming and painful. Admin, recording, editing, transcription, whatever. Tell me about it. I feel your pain. For a charge, I'll share it. Writers, what are you doing with your lives? Hopefully you're writing. Well, I know there are listeners out there who want to hear great original writing performed as audio content and made in Leeds. How do I know this? Because I'm one of them. Help me make Muck for Brass, a series of short stories, poems, performers, whatever, all published as podcast content. Is your work arty, salacious, pulpy, strange? Good. I want to make it a podcast. I get practice making the show. And you get a finished, performed and published version of your writing. Businesses, campaigns, brands got an inkling that you'd like a podcast, but don't know where to start. Hit me up at makemypodcast at western-studios.com and we'll start making your podcast straight away. The first hour of arranged consultation and pre-production time is free. So what do you have to lose? And what are you waiting for? Save yourself the hassle and the headache and make your podcast with a lead space in real life podcast producer that's me western studios leads once again please let working hours get big and strong by joining its patreon support working hours by becoming a champion on patreon for a pound a month you can inspire me and motivate me with a membership and maybe one day even be helping to cover all my costs you can chat to me there and see me do a monthly live stream where, again, you can chat to me all about the show and, God, do I need to find someone to actively share this project with. Go to patreon.com forward slash working hours pod right now and sign up, please. And or go to Kofi, that's ko-fi.com forward slash working hours and join me there for a pound a month and get access to the working hours discord and chat to me there. I will be putting up additional material on Kofi once there are any members there. Please do remember to like, share, follow, and subscribe to this show. Every little bit helps. Tell your gran, tell your housekeeper, tell your gardener, tell your parole officer, tell your boss, tell Leeds, and I'll see thee next time, our kid. Working Hours is presented, edited, and recorded by Simon Treem for Western Studios Leeds Limited. The music was The Bees from Chopin's Etudes, which is in the public domain and was taken from museopen.org.